Hi, and welcome to Telepathic TV. This is television that you watch with your third eye, and I'm R. Neville Johnston. And I'm Mary Phelan. I was going to say Mary C. Phelan, <laughs> since we're using initials. And our show is about raising our consciousness. And tonight we're going to talk about stress in its many different manifestations in our life. And today is an excellent day to actually change your life because it is, after all, the tribe of the world, Bridger. Today is a particularly dynamic day to step from one mm. method of consciousness into another, Indeed. which is what we have been doing on this show since the beginning of time. I organize in order to is the word? equalize, which is a very interesting way of looking at things. Mm -hmm. The sixth tone is the rhythm, like the heartbeat and the, the idea of recognizing rhythms in your life and then being in command of them. There we it's go. also, tone six is also a day of balance. It's like when you ride a bike and you get that moment in the bike riding where it becomes balanced and you don't have to worry about the wobble anymore. Mm -hmm. So um, it, it kind of shows you you have to have enough information, too, to get yeah. the wobble to go away. And it um, is a good day to, to talk about stress and everything. And we were mm -hmm. talking before the show about um, the, the stress. Everybody thought there was going to be a break between New Year's and Christmas. <laughs> and ha, ha, ha. Uh, we were cool. out in the store. Yes. The, the amount of stress that we put on ourselves is ridiculous. And I really feel that one day in our future we're going to look back and say, okay, we've come so far into the technological age and out of the primitive thinking and and slavery of different kinds. And we're going to see that the stress that we put on ourselves now is at least as bad as, I'm talking of the stress, and it may not be the physical kind of stress, but the mental stress, is just out outrageous. You, it's rare to walk into any place and meet up with people that are not completely stressed out. How would we know? Everyone's stressed all the time. Balancing opportunities, so I would just reiterate about the idea of this being a day to embrace an opportunity to change the way in which we think. This is the theme behind our show, Simply Forever. Um, let me just say this very simply. The way in which we think does not work. Well, it works if you wish to grow old and die, or you wish to go insane, or you wish to um, live a life of hatred, or... Uh, recognize yourself as a victim. I think the way in which we think most readily allows us to see ourselves as victim, which is perfectly fiction. And victim and stress are synonyms. And uh, since there is no such thing as a victim, everybody does everything, and we choose to color it with a value. And that's a very arbitrary decision. In other words, if someone, say, shot me, then I could decide how, what color to paint that. So I did indeed paint it as sparkly and doors opening and hundreds of thousands of opportunities as a direct result. Mm. Or I could have chosen something else. Well, you're very right. It, it is how we, how we view it. And it's almost as if we all walk around all the time with these two bins, one that says good, one that says bad. Yeah. And we have this assortment of white and black marbles, and we've got to evaluate everything that happens to us and either classify it as good or bad. And really, all of our life force gets taken up in this evaluation. All and of it, it starts and mm -hmm. ends always with this evaluation about ourselves. Yeah. And it's, we've talked so many times on this show that stress is the fear of being disapproved of. 
and we're ultimately the only ones that can disapprove of us. For instance, let's say there was somebody out in the parking lot somewhere close by disapproving of all of us right now. It, it doesn't I affect know that us. Guy. It, yeah, well, I know. We, we know this guy. We've, we've filmed him before, but we don't know about it. It doesn't affect us. So it's really not the disapproval of the other person that's causing the stress within you. It's the fear that if that person disapproves of you, then you will disapprove of yourself. And all of that is an inside job and completely within your power to change at any given moment. Yeah, stress is yet another irony the human race has created to dwell within and sink down into. In other words, the more stressed out you are, the more of your life force is used by this technique of painting things with the bad bucket or the good bucket, but never really seeing because the good and bad aren't real ways to think. Yes, they are. Go to a church. No, uh, good and evil are not real. I'll tell you why they're not real. They're both the same thing. They, they are yin and yang. They require each other to complete each other. They are halves of the same coin. They are not especially interesting anymore. Good and bad will take up as many lifetimes as you want to spend on that ridiculous game of deciding this and that. Exactly so my the point. Yeah. irony of it is... Uh, the more of your life force that is used in this ridiculous game of ascribing value to experience instead of allowing it to be an experience, the more you assign value, <clears throat> the more of your life force you use up, and the more of your life force that use, is used up, the more stressed out you are. <clears throat> so it's a really happy little black hole <clears throat> of a method to think. Well, I, I agree with that, and I, I remember one time... I, I've had very, very stressful jobs over my lifetime, or jobs that I allowed myself to be afraid that I would disapprove of myself in some way. Yeah, yeah. And I w was always a very good employee, got employee of the month many times and throughout different jobs that I've had. And yet, even though I really worked hard and did all that, I remember one morning the traffic was so bad it was going to make me late. And I was so stressed out about it. and. and I don't know if anybody can identify with me, but you wake up in the morning, you've got that in your stomach where it's almost like adrenaline instead of coffee meets you as you wake up and you jump out of bed and you're already going over the list of things you didn't accomplish yesterday and the extra ones you had to add to it today. And, and so I'm riding in the car and my stomach felt like it was twisted in knots and I realized that's not going to get me to work any quicker than if I relax and I'm calm. And I made the decision that day, and I'm not saying I don't have my moments still, but for the most part, I made the decision that day that I wasn't going to live my life like that anymore, that I don't have to have stress to force me to be a good person or to get to somewhere on time. And so now when I'm late, I automatically know it's because I'm in the state of mind of hurry, and I just take a deep breath, and always the traffic will start moving, or I will get to my destination a lot quicker. One of the methods by which we can actually think is to do away with the idea of late. It's, there's no possibility of being late. There is no possibility. It's not possible for you to be somewhere that you're not. It simply can't be done. That's true. There's no such thing as late or early or on time. There just is. I like your... your description of Mars. we look at through the yeah. telescope and you don't see Mars, you don't say Mars is late, you just say there's something I don't know about Mars. Yeah, 
and yeah. Mars is not where it's not supposed to be. This cannot be done. Also, there is no such thing as beginning. There is no such thing as end. Right. There simply is. There's 100,000 words, and, pardon me, estimating roughly. There's a good 15,000 words in English that if you never spoke them or thought them again, your life could become pleasant. Well, we can't have that. No, actually, we can't. We wouldn't have anything to talk about or complain about then. Yeah, then we could just sit here and talk about breathing techniques. Talk about. I had a wonderful experience with a dentist a uh, couple of times in a row here, um, where I thought I was about to die, which is always a good feeling. And um, what actually happened was, uh, looking back on the experience of the dentist, I was put in a position to remember something I had never remembered which was actually a breath exercise. And uh, it, it was brilliantly done because I kept being distracted by the dentist saying, move your head or this or that. And, and so it kept pulling me out, and I would automatically go back in, and it would pull me out, and I would go back in. And so I would have to say that my ability to command my life significantly increased my relationship with my personal meditation, That's significantly great. transformed owing to what anyone else would have called a hellish experience. Mm. No, not at all. Please. Well, you know what you're also illustrating with that, and I think that's wonderful, <coughs> is that, <coughs> pardon me, fear is designed to put us to sleep. It's a form of hypnosis. We started to talk about that before we started yeah, yeah. the show. <laughs> but fear really does put you to sleep, and that is why we buy all these things because we're afraid we're going to smell or we're afraid we're going to get a wrinkle or we're afraid we're going to have a gray hair or whatever, and oh no. And I'm not talking about our choice to do something, but the fear of, yeah. of something will make us buy all kinds of products. I'm very happy now that the style for males is shaved head because I, I felt I knew some guys that would go to any lengths to try to get their hair grow because the culture made them feel so awful about it. And it's, it's not... It's a beautiful thing. It's just a matter of what we choose to focus on. Look at style throughout time. There, women being heavier or thinner, it's really a matter of taste. We've, we've uh, categorized beauty as different things over time. And this fear really gets you to buy anything. And so ever since the two, 2001, or around that era, fear has been our greatest commodity. It sells everything. If we can be afraid, you can sell anything. So if you decide not to be afraid all the time, you can actually make conscious decisions in your life and not just buy things because you're afraid. You can get a can of it right here. It's called Fear No More. It's an aerosol. You spray it all over fear your body. Fear off. <laughs> fear off. Uh, and Fear On, our anti-product, yeah. for those that don't feel they have enough fear in their life. Yeah. But to stress and fear. Now, we have the probiotic for the for the other one. I prefer the amateur biotic, but still. Um, as stress, Robiotic. E stress equals fear. They are yeah. synonyms. To be stressed is to be afraid. Exactly. And stress, fear, and guilt are very close cousins, not necessarily liking each other, but they are quite similar. In other words, uh, as soon as you can identify guilt, you've found a source of stress. We've all just been through this. Remember the family dinner at Thanksgiving, which was uh, um, taken to rehab and then reinitialized as the Christmas dinner, and uh, apparently the rehab didn't work, and we repeated basically the same, you know, experience of this 
this thing. So the idea of uh, recognizing guilt as a format of stress. Now, guilt makes it, for me, easier to comprehend because there's a little a flag in my brain that says, guilt, oh. Lie, so lie, lie. Guilt, then, oh, that's something that is out of integrity. In other words, integrity, either, you, either you're guilty or you have integrity. That's what happens. Guilt replaces integrity. In other words, you get out of bed in the morning uh, out of guilt because that's the easy way to do it. If you actually had integrity, you would become awake. You would say, oh, the excellent, glorious opportunity of a new day. What shall I create with this? Let me stand while I think about what I will do with this magnificent day. Or I'll get out of bed because if I don't, I'm lazy, which is a guilt word. Okay. So how many people are going to get up tomorrow and go, oh, my God, the opportunity, the sacred and holy opportunity of <coughs> another day. What shall I create with it? You're going to do that much thinking? Yeah, excellent. Yeah. Someone give that woman a prize immediately, which is tomorrow. It's yours. Do what you do with it. That is the thing. Well, yeah, so. well I, think, I think you're, I mean, th this is such a valuable conversation because uh, something I wanted to let people be aware of, how illustrate, how, how, uh, rampant fear can be is look at our economy right now. Everything about our monetary system has been a virtual thing all along. It's just this number saying, I'll trade you this number and you give me that number. And because fear was introduced, everybody now withholds their money and created exactly what we were afraid of happening. And so fear really is a state of consciousness that, that echoes. This isn't necessarily a pleasant thought, but I, I've talked to people that, that make animal food, like um, agriculturally, mm -hmm. and they talk about there's a phenomenon within chickens in the coop. If you put too many chickens close together, they get something called a hysteria. I forgot what it was called, but that it, it goes in waves across the chickens until you give them more room, and it's like a claustrophobia of sorts. And I really do feel, feel that fear spreads that way, and there are times where we're just sitting there doing nothing and we start feeling stressed out and there's not really a direct cause but that we're getting that wave of fear. And so the best thing we can do for ourselves and others is to not pass along the fear. To yeah. not pass it along to each other. Well, and, happens, and let uh, the buck stop here and release it. it because happens. you would be doing such a divine human service that way. Yeah, and anyone that's ever lived in a city has seen this phenomenon with human beings you can actually get, and it's not just the media alone, it is, as you're saying, uh, some sort of, of an electromagnetic field shared by humans. Go on the Beltway at 9 o'clock in the morning and, you'll, and just give somebody the one-finger salute and you'll see it just spread. It'll go ripples all the way around the... It'll come up behind you. You can see it coming in the rear view well, mirror. Well, that, that's like what a, uh, I, I have done experiments throughout my life. And we had been talking about what if you do have a job you don't care for and you have to go in there every day. Well, I've had that. I worked two full-time jobs for many years supporting my family. And it, and it wasn't pleasant at times, but I came up with a lot of techniques to get my life back into the day. And one of them was to be a good drop in the pond. And uh, one time my sons and I had gone through a drive through and the lady was really rude, and it got me in a bad mood. And then I thought, well, look, here, I'm yelling at my kids because this lady yelled at me. No, I'm not going to pass that along anymore. 
So I decided to do nice things and watch the ripple. And I pulled onto the beltway, and I just let people in front of me. It was in rush hour. And I watched, and everybody, as far as I could see, was letting people in, and the traffic moved smoothly. And we have infinite power here. We can do a lot of things like that. Don't meet somebody else's meanness with meanness back. Yeah, it, transmute it. Be, be yeah. a filter, a transmuter. It's an echo. It really is, yeah. But this, this whole idea of money stress, particularly around the holidays, I thought that would be a good topic to address. The more we say how little money we have, the more that that manifests. And so it's really important to not feel like you have to spend money in the holidays, too. I, well, it's an interesting note that absolutely everything that we speak is magic words. It does become. It's very important to get a hold of that concept and put a censor, because we are going to have to censor ourselves as individuals, about what it is we speak, because uh, the entire recession was set off by George Bush Sr., who I heard use the word recession, which was totally news to me, in some broadcast, he, and he just said the word recession, and it's been echoing ever since throughout our society. There's no recession. Good God, get a hold of yourself. Stop it. Uh, he meant to say regression. Yeah, Everybody regressed the yeah. children. <laughs> yeah, but, that would uh, be fun. Have little yeah, beanies with propellers on them. This concept that we are so easily things. led uh, by anyone other than ourselves. We all are so low of self-esteem that we wait for other people to tell us who we are and what we're worth. Mm -hmm. And that is symptomatic of, let me use the word, slave. Did you think there was another word to describe this planet? Slave planet, does that sound familiar to anyone? Let me just say it succinctly. There is no one who is not a slave to money at this point in the history of the human race. Uh, just because you have a lot of money doesn't mean you're not enslaved to it. In fact, you may be more so. In fact, the way out of that is to have no money. If you met somebody who's homeless, they aren't really reporting to their boss. <laughs> they aren't really afraid of getting fired. You know, it's true, and it's really the fear of doing without that, that drives everything. Did yeah. you ever see the movie, The Gods Must Be Crazy? Mm. You know, the Coke bottle that fell down, and then the guy said, oh, there was, then it introduced something that other people could lack. And so that caused all this. Oh, yeah. If we could just believe that there's nothing really we lack, and that everybody out there wants the best for their children, they want to be happy, they want to be warm, they want to have enough to eat. We all have these basic things that we all choose to have in our life. And once we know that, Maybe it's not that there's a finite amount of things and there's only one Coke bottle and we've got to all fight for it. That well, on the, in the advanced worlds, as soon as your civilization on a planet starts to actually become advanced, money, monetary exchange, vanishes because you cannot have monetary exchange and an advanced method of thinking in the same place at the same time. It just does not work that way. So non-money paradigms. So I've spent a lifetime looking for non-money paradigms, which are very interesting. When the rushes went totally insane, and I don't have to define that because we all know that, the ruling class <laughs> vanished all of the money. So the people, like had, no, <laughs> the people had no money. Uh, so they spontaneously invented an honor barter system by which if you were a dentist and you were treating someone that made hats but you had no use for a hat, you could use that man's hat 
as a credit. So you could trade three well, of your customers for... that's actually how money started. For, yeah, I, I understand. But the idea of money, the idea of the monetary exchange is what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Once it's collected as a number, once it's... But, okay. Yeah, because it was my understanding that money started with bartering. And so instead of saying, okay, you have two chickens that I can trade for that man's boat over there, we'll just make a common currency. But what your point really is, if I'm understanding it, is that we have to get back to something that we're a little more in touch with what that number means. It's got to be something tangible because it had gotten where it wasn't tangible. People's wealth were just numbers that were inflated by other numbers, and they weren't really backed up by, by real things. Even the gold in Fort Knox is, is a number, and it doesn't even match up to the quantity that's in there. Yeah. And so you're right. We have to get it synchronized back into real things. Okay, so a non-money paradigm mm-hmm. is what we have to... We serve ourselves well to begin to create non-money paradigms. Now, we said on this show a thousand times what would happen if tomorrow morning you get up and you do exactly what you would love to do. No one seems to be able to answer that question because we have been so long retrained from our own nature to get up to seek some sort of money in one way or another, to seek some sort of value that way. Now, right now in this room here at FPA, we are sitting in a non-money paradigm we are forbidden to pay the crew, who seems to be okay with it because everybody is here. We double be- their salary all the time. They're making five zeros now. Yes, okay. So the idea of the non-money paradigm and the idea that everybody is here, uh, Mary and I are doing this show completely because we would love to do it. We're not doing it for monetary gain. We are doing it because we want to see a gain in the society. We want to see the level of consciousness of the human race ratchet up instead of uh, sink into whatever. Change the channel then. Sink into whatever. Um, Where's my remote? Yeah, paradigm that, that might suck us away. So, and, and speaking of which, we'd love to have some more people volunteer um, to be crew for uh, 2011 so we can continue the show. But non money paradigm is not very visible. You don't hear of it. How many people knew that, um, uh, what is this, community TV is free? Uh, I mean, we pay dues to be members here, but you have well, to have some Cox, sort of... Well, uh, Cox Cable sponsors us. And we yeah, but it's not done... The studio. Yeah, it's not done with the crew that does the show being salaried, and certainly you and sure. I are not salaried sure. to do this, and therefore we're doing it for some other reason. What reason would you imagine that we're doing this for? Go ahead, call in. Why are we doing this? Okay. Well, I, I, something else that just came to me as you were talking about that, we can very visibly see how we've been focused toward con- consumerism. It, it's been our latest industry. We've put all of our factories out into other countries, and our main industry is this consumerism, buying and, and selling products. And... It really isn't helping the planet. This is really causing some devastation on, on certain levels with this. But one another side uh, issue with consumerism is we forgot to be happy when it doesn't involve wealth or money or products. We forgot how to just sit and be happy. Sitting in the grass and watching the ants, watching a sunset, going out and laying under the trees. 
laying on a blanket looking at the stars at night. I think everybody can remember things like that from your childhood that you probably never do now and that our children are growing up looking for pleasure and satisfaction in objects and what that can bring to them. Now, the idea of the non-money paradigm, the idea of living a life that's not based on money would also be a stress-free form of life Mm -hmm. because if you were doing what it is that you would love to do with your life, stress would be almost unimaginable. Mm -hmm. How on earth could stress be? Stress is always created by lack. And, and the resistance to what's going on right now. Uh, yeah, but it is always created by us by virtue of the way we think. And we don't have to think that way anymore. Well, it's, we it's simply like the, don't. It's like the good and the bad marble I was referring to earlier. Yeah. We're always under a grade system, too. If you look at work, we always have a, a review of satisfactory, very good, excellent. Or That's we degrading. have grades, degrading. We have... Uh, credit scores, we have oh, banking funny. numbers, you know, like uh, mortgage numbers. I did my if your best credits to get mine high. down to zero. Zero credit score? Zero credit score. They can't even find that I exist. Now, that's a credit score. Well, I mean, our, our relationship to money is very much our, rela- our family relationship, if you yeah. think about it, because the banks replace our parents with the uh, allowance and, and the grades and everything. What if you didn't have to grade yourself? Often people tell me that I'm afraid not to be that way. I'm afraid to get out of guilt and stop grading myself because I might turn into some (coughs) monster that just cavalierly goes around, that doesn't get up and it's lazy and they stay in bed all day and they don't support their families. But honestly, if you really get in touch with love and let love be your motivator and your fuel for your life, it's a completely different thing. You're never tired. But if resistance and fear and stress, it's like a... um, that res- wind resistance, and it ages you and makes you sick. Stress is the number one cause of all disease. Well, fear is our way of life. Hey, humans, let's own this. Fear is your way of life. This is what we do. It's who we are. We get out of bed early to be afraid. We go to bed late at night because of fear. We live our life based on fear. I'm, you know, um, Jason Robar, I think his name was, and whatever that movie was, I'm sick to death of it, and I'm not going to put up with it anymore, whatever the words were that he used. When do we get to that point that we actually change? Come on, when? I want a calendar date. You think we're going to do it in 2011? We all just go, I, money, keep it. I'm not doing this for money. Well, I'm doing it because I want to do it. You think? Okay, and then they'll, see, if everyone stopped paying rent, nobody could collect it. If everyone stopped paying taxes, what are they going to chain link the entire United States and feed the population overall? You know, exactly what is the byproduct of if we all just say no? There's a there town wouldn't be in schools, Italy. there wouldn't be there's a, <laughs> Yes, there would be. That's okay. my whole people point. Would because do that. people okay. would love to okay. teach and they well, would do perhaps, it. And let me just tell yeah. the anecdote about the um, town tell in Italy tell that stopped paying, there's the town in Italy and they all knew each other, what a surprise. As a matter of fact, they were all related to each other and basically around the holidays they all sat at one huge table. They took up most of the town and one of the elders said, what happens if we don't pay taxes? And everybody goes, they'll arrest us. Neville says we don't have to. Yeah, we do not have to. We don't have to do anything. The word have to is a bully talking to you. 
Watch for the word have to appearing in your own mouth and look at what's going on there. Watch for the When you hear the word have to, you are being bullied. Now with a bully, you stand up to the bully, you get everybody else the bully has beat up, or you give in. Those are the three options as far as dealing with a bully goes, right? A lot of kids study martial arts because of bullies, not arguing. You know, so once we... Let's take over our life. What do you think? You want to take over your life or you want to continue to be under the thumb of... The man. Not to sound too much like um, Finkelstein on Dharma and Greg. I think you're sounding like him. Yeah, but still, this is the truth. We could declare ourselves free here and now. Stop. Well, even if we choose not to (sighs) go into this big collective thing where we stop paying taxes or something like that, I think really uh, uh, something tangible that people can do is get back into power in the areas that you are giving yourself away, giving, giving yourself up to the stress. Like how many times do you go uh, visit somebody or uh, go to a party that maybe you didn't really want to go to? And it's not a matter of, <clears throat> uh, I, I still feel that it's important that we keep our word when we agree to something, but just don't agree to so much. Don't take so much on. Yeah, don't promise we, anybody anything. Yeah, we have a right to say what we do in our lives. And people often will think that makes us less loving, but it makes us more loving. Because if you're doing something out of guilt, you're not really helpful to another person. But you were talking about when, when are you going to hit that point. And I really feel that that's the whole rock bottom thing and that we will create what looks like these negative things going on in our life, like getting laid off from work or whatever, these negative perceived things, so that we hit a rock bottom, like hitting the bottom of the pool where you can push yourself back up to the top again, and that when we intervene in other people's rock bottoms without the person asking for help, it's like you take their bottom away and they go through that process to sink down to raise themselves back up, but then they never make it down there. And so they kind of just hover. So it's important that we stand by each other, but not necessarily take over each other's lives, and which is a big lesson. do not interfere with anyone's bottom. Especially if it's rock bottom. Yeah, that's really a hard place. Yeah, so come on, let's do this. Call in, give us some questions here so we can go on uh, in this. The difference between information and fear is? The difference between information and fear is the level of consciousness you have. If you are in a car driving towards a brick wall and you know nothing of steering wheels or brakes, it would be an instinctive thing to be afraid. Okay. Now, since we do know about steering wheels and brakes, then it wouldn't even cross your mind as fear. The difference between fear and information is, give it to me, come on, what's the difference? The level of, come on, very good, all right, the level of consciousness. Now, do we want to go through life with a low level of consciousness or a high level of consciousness. Because okay. one's good and one's bad. And how do you get to a higher level of consciousness? Uh, Stand on the chair. Okay, meditation, daily meditation. I have found this to be excellent. I have found transmutation spontaneously in the way in which I think and therefore my life by virtue of meditation. No kidding, wow. 
uh, virtually daily I get another insight into the reality of being who I am through meditation. At this point I take an hour at least in the beginning of the day, to, really from sleep. I go from sleep into meditation. I have, um, uh, let me say, nine sets of trinities that I go through in the process of waking up, uh, a lot of which is written in the uh, self-empowerment protocols, uh, kind of an outline of this, although it's not specifically listed that way. But the first thing you may consider doing is reviewing your dreams, which you're not going to do because the alarm will shatter your relationship with your dream time. Well, you brought up something, meditation, and I teach yeah. meditation a lot. And one of mm -hmm. the biggest things that I hear and I agree with is that we don't have time to meditate, that, that the life expects way too much. I mean, if you just factor in the amount of junk mail you get, that sometimes there's some important new changes in your terms of your credit card that you have to read, and, oh, my gosh, should I file this? And it just gets to be overwhelming. One thing that I had... Um, suggested to people that I used to counsel, especially couples, is to figure out what percentage they require of alone time, family time, friend time, and then compare them in romance time and alone time and compare them because if one person says I, I require 15% romance time and the other person says 5%, well that 10% discrepancy is usually where everybody fights and gets their feelings hurt. So if you're aware of it, it can be very enlightening. And I would recommend people doing that. But for this idea of gaining power back over your time, instead of feeling like everybody's got it, is to do a pie chart and say, okay, work takes eight, 10 hours a day, and you do the 24 hours, and you block off how much you're budgeting your time for, and you'll see that it's more than you have hours for. And so it's time to start cutting some things out of your life that aren't really that important. And what that does, just the action of doing that, you start realizing that you have more power over your time, and it's not that the time has power over you. Well, the uh, idea of meditation is uh, removed from and put us. put that in there. <laughs> is removed from us in childhood. Uh, a child's word for meditation is daydreaming. That's what a child does when they daydream. They are actually meditating. And uh, you can be severely punished for med uh, <laughs> daydreaming. Now you, I caught you daydreaming again. I caught you. Now you're going to have to get your parents' signature on this horrible little piece of paper, and you will never again in your life meditate. And now we can control you perfectly because you don't have your access. Meditation is the access to the bigger picture to tell you how to act down here in the much smaller picture we live in here on earth. So the idea of the more meditating you do, the more personality that you have. The less meditating you do, ergo, the less, you can do this, less personality you have. It is that simple. No, it's more complex. No, it's that simple. Okay, so once we're almost totally devoid of personality, don't make jokes, don't do anything, no, I caught you having a personality number, what's your number again? I have to write that down now. And you're going to receive a pay cut in your imaginary pay, because money's imaginary, let's face it, you know, uh, as though money equals happiness. And the other thing that is removed from us in our earliest childhood 
uh, is the ability to self-correct. Now, granted, you don't want a bus running over your kid. I understand. So you make the kid extremely guilty. Don't step out in the street. To this very day, I look left and right before I step off of any curve or cliff or curb, I meant to say. I, it's just built into the bod, okay, but I'm not guilty about it. You know, and you would think, how is it possible for someone to get run over? Well, and yet, every day we hear about this, and it's not just texting. It's that people rebel against Well, I, I, I would say that I don't, I don't think that it's telling children they can't self-correct, but we as parents also teach. No, I'm just giving my point of view, yeah, too. Yeah, it's not no, wrong, I either, just had another, that, that yeah. we, we teach our children. And that's okay. And we don't have to teach through guilt. It was my observation that we tend to teach children through guilt or yeah. through violence. And that there really is another way to teach them. And children look for boundaries. And so we teach them how to have boundaries, yeah. how to have self-control, how to love. And we don't just leave that open for just you figure it out yourself. I think we do too much of that with children. And it's difficult for, for children to figure some things out. They're just not yeah. um, at that place to figure it out yet. We have a call? We do indeed. Hi, Hi, caller. What's your name, please? Oh, it's R2-D2. Yeah, there we go. We recognize that caller. Mm -hmm. uh, you'll have to hang on, by the way, if you're calling in. We have to have someone connect you into the studio, which takes a few okay. moments. Okay, they're back. And they're back. Hi, caller. What's your name, please? Um, Evan calling. Evan, oh, hey, Evan. Hey, how are we doing? Okay. Um, I had a question kind of off topic. I was sure. wondering if you could um, help me address uh, dealing and coping with loss and moving on. And I, I'll just take the uh, answer off the air. Thank you. Enjoy the show. Well, thank you, Evan, for yeah. calling. We love your calls. Please feel free to call yeah, in. And I, I really um, do uh, plan on doing a show in the near future to help people deal with loss because it is a real thing. I mean, we can yeah. look at higher consciousness, yeah. and we know that our loved ones pass, and they go into a higher, they vibrate faster than their body, and they go into a different plane of existence. But we can still miss them as human beings, and we still have our emotional history with them that we're still metabolizing. But I have found that the amount of grief we have is in direct proportion to the amount of guilt we have about our lifetime with this person. And that if you deal with the guilt over I shoulda, coulda, woulda, I wish I'd spent more time, or this or that, that the, the other stuff really does reduce quite a bit. And the technique I use with people, the tapping, which I've done on the show a number of times, it really, really works. And I would be happy to do yeah, that with you, you at any that? time. Do it as a demo. Okay. Uh, Evan, I know you've hung up, but um, if you don't mind, why don't you tap along with me? And I happen to know that your father passed in, what was it, about eight months, so a year ago, ago yeah. maybe? A year, something like that. And don't, first of all, don't be hard on yourself and how long it takes you. It may take a million years, it may take one second, but ne none of those are wrong. Okay, so do you want to do some tapping, Evan? Uh -huh. I'll just tap along with me. Say, even though my father died, I love and accept myself. Even though I didn't get to finish some things I wanted to do with him, I love and forgive myself. Even though my father's not here to talk to anymore, I'm open to the idea that he can still hear me. And even though my father's gone and I love him very much, I'm open to the idea that I can feel better and that that's not betraying him. Even though I miss my father, I love and accept myself. And I'm open to the idea 
that it's okay to feel better when I'm ready to. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Now, I know this is, um, if someone's got somebody recently departed, I know it takes a while to get to a certain point. But the word loss is extremely misleading. The word loss always means gain. There really is no exception. Lost the foot, the opportunity to um, find out what modern prosthetics are like, which is amazing because I know somebody with no legs that can outjump anybody on this planet. Uh, lost my freedom, went to jail, the opportunity to meet new people. Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, there, the word <laughs> lost means gain. As soon as you get over dragging your posterior through the word loss, and the door opens to the idea that if that hadn't happened, this wouldn't be. No, no, you're bringing up a very beautiful point. Yeah, and and, my, and my way of seeing that is I place my attention on the faces of those walking toward me, not the rear ends of those yeah. walking away. Because everything just is change. A death is looking at change backward, and birth is looking at change forward. And we really do have our, our opportunity to look, because something exists in both ways. How many cultures actually celebrate death? I know the Irish do. Many people, many people do. Other cultures many people where that's do. the... Oh, boy, a light went off somewhere there. Yeah, I would say uh, we're one of the few that don't. With that, I'd like to hear. Yeah, because uh, we really do have to get over this idea that, um, and you're right, it is simply guilt about what you could have done. And as brilliant as that is as an observation, it doesn't make any difference because I could have done many different things in my life and would not be sitting here now had I done those things. So... Yeah, this is what, what we're I'm saying. saying. But Just be instead well, it's of good. I mean, do. Sometimes we have to walk through rooms to get yeah. to other rooms, and our belief systems really are hallways, and, and they don't have doors that close them. And we walk through things, and we get to other things, and we're never really in the wrong place, consciously or unconsciously. No, you cannot be and in the so, wrong place. Yeah. There is no possibility. Yeah. Or the right place. You just are. This is the... I'll do the uh, Teflon... It's a Socratic proof. We came here in order to evolve, true or false. Yes, we came here in order to evolve. We evolve by having experiences, true or false. Yes, we evolve by having experiences, true. Therefore, there is no such thing as a bad experience because it helps you to evolve. Therefore, there is no such thing as a good experience because it assists you to evolve. Therefore, there is just experience. Once there is just experience, you're not whipped around like the other posterior end of a dog. It just doesn't work that way anymore. Once it is just an experience and you immediately transmute it into wisdom, into... I agree. Yeah, I know we have the duck coming. I agree, and I came here for experiences rather than evolving because evolving is a good, bad thing. Okay, I got never does nature say one thing and wisdom another. Okay. Uh, hmm. uh, Voltaire was talking about uh, love okay. being a canvas upon which you create. To sum up, the, I yeah. didn't quite memorize the quote yeah. enough to speak it directly. Well, well the nature concept. and... Um, 
the thing is, is we really can't be separated from our true nature either. And most people don't even know their own nature. That's a very they good point. They just know the one that they think they should be with the white marble. And they know the one they fear being, the one that they think they really are. And we have this unconscious idea that there's something inherently wrong with us. And again, on the advanced planets, the children are first taught to figure out who they are, figure out what their nature is, figure out the reality of being who it is they are. They are then taught to figure out what it is that they would love to do with their life and finally taught to pair with someone else with whom you'd like to share your life. And on our planet, not so advanced, the hormones and peer pressure drive you in a frenzy to mate. Then somewhere in midlife you go, ah, that's not who I am. <laughs> and this is not what I love to do. And then you start to do that thing, and then it's called middle age crisis or sports car, depending on which term you would prefer. Yeah, that was, that was yeah. um, uh, I feel that people um, are driven to find a career. Yeah. When they're 18 years old, mm -hmm. I got to go to school. They don't even know who they are yet. And then yeah. 45 years old, that was kind of my analogy too, that, yeah. that, well, that they're sitting there eight. saying, oh no, I'm doing accounting and I'm an artist. What's going on? And then you've got to really and dismantle your life. And you won't be that life. much of an artist because you have to grow up that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we are uh, not taught to figure out who we are. It's not like kindergarten, you know, who are you? It's, it's slammed with math, all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. There's no moment where if we ran the metaphysical child care processing we've you've talked about for so I many have years talked about that, that would be time. the idea of come on kids we're going to figure out who we are now everybody sit and be very quiet and meditate and somebody give me an answer well apparently i was a frog a minute ago really well I, there I will, you go you got it the door opened i will put that out there again i do this periodically i love children and i feel that we could be doing much better by our children yeah and if Anybody knows anybody that finances such things? I've got lots of ideas, but yeah. not the monetary resources or the time to actually do it myself, but I would love to work it. with as many people as possible. And I yeah. know there have been people over the years that have gone off and done their thing, started after care, after school care and Free stuff. Care. Yeah. So anyway. We have to bring up the conscious generation. Pardon the word have to. What does the word have to mean? Okay. We serve ourselves well to bring up a generation that's consciously aware because they could steer this planet into the true possibility that this planet holds. Well, the way it is, it's going to be money games till either we trash the place, which okay. is, would have already happened. Real quick before we, we take a, that call, yeah. I did have a dream one time where I was told the secret to changing the world in one generation, and that was to mandate love and respect to our children and good care and love because really you grow up in love you you're much more equipped to do it later and George Bush found out I was going to do this and yeah. uh, had me locked up yeah. <laughs> but I escaped okay now that explains ankle biter okay hi caller what's your name hi my name is Christy hi Christy, what can we do for you I would like to get a reading, um, maybe for 2012, for the people who are listening, that would be in our greatest good and the greatest good of all. Uh, the, what was that last 2012. One? What this if, is what oh, is 2012? Fearful. Oh, okay. No, no, I, don't, I, I would say, um, and we'll do a show about 2012, because I do, uh, well, we'll do one again, because it's been yeah. a while. Okay, this is interesting. So let's look, let's operate under the assumption that 2012 is just a end of a cycle, just like we wouldn't stop a calendar at November 22nd. We would go all the way to December 30th.
correct, or 31st, how many days, 30. Uh, we wouldn't do that. Um, so the Mayan had this larger cycle stopped at that point, and so that's why the calendar stopped then. But it is an opportunity, if nothing, for no other reason, but that we are all focusing our energy on that date, and so it does carry then a vibration. And this transformation card is about taking the energies we have and utilizing anything, whether we want to call it the, the New Year's Eve or we want to call it the 2012 date or call it 11-11 or pick any arbitrary number we want and say this is a date of a portal and an activation. We create those portals and activations with our consciousness and our decision. So this is a good time for all of us to say, I'm not going to live under the old paradigm. I'm going to take that leap of faith and rely more on my spirit than on my intellectual teachings that have come about. This exhaustion, I really do feel that people that don't, aren't in touch with their power, like we're all working toward, we're all growing every day, mm-hmm. we do get exhausted from, from having, oh no, here's yet another challenge. And I know there's a lot of people that live in a lot of fear over 2012. I talk to people every day. And so here's the opportunity to say my life is what I created to be. And if there are, is a larger creation that I'm not conscious of, then I'm not going to resist it because I know it's part of me somewhere along the line too. Well, okay. there's been so much media hype around 2012. I think a bunch of human beings will literally split consciousness and go into that horrible world everybody keeps talking about. Well, Same thing happened with uh, 9-11. The, the group fractured. There yeah, are people that went into a, just yeah. a divine um, place yeah. and those that remained in the yeah. dark, fearful place. So make your decision on that. And you got a yeah, year and a Yeah, I wrote a, a lot half, about so. that then. I had to pull that yeah. out because it applies to this too. Yeah, but this Do splitting. Do we have another call? Yeah. Do we have our next call? So we had been, uh, the show has been on getting we, the human race, to stop creating stress, which we have illustrated as a form of guilt, as a form of fear, as a form of, well, what regret, whatever word you want to put in there to poison your own ether, but that you are in charge of your life, that you create everything that happens in your life, that the language you speak is the life you live, and to get a hold of that and to start to create a brilliant, brilliant life so that we can retire and uh, go on to whatever the next thing is. I just wanted to mention that stress and worry, sometimes people think that stress and worry proves you care. I remember my father was a worrier, and I grew up as a worrier, so it's possible not to be a worrier if you are one now. Um, And I, I used to think that if I worried about something, I was doing something about it, and that if I wasn't worried about it, then I wasn't doing anything. I used to be a road worrier. I would always worry about what was around the I've next I've never bend. seen you worry about anything. No, why would you worry? It's just going to be. Gee, how could you? That's because I take care of everything. There, look, there's your books. Yeah, please, if you have not, get a hold of these books because we have been talking constantly about how to think, not what to think. And the language that you think in determines the reality that you live in. The protocols book, the self-empowerment protocols, you'll get knocked down on a regular basis and it will be years, months, weeks, days, hours, minutes, or seconds before you pull yourself back up, okay? So, 
what are you going to choose in the increment? Decade, good, okay. So then you won't require this book for at least 10 years. Okay, so you are going to knock yourself down to pick yourself up. That process is exquisitely uninteresting as far as I'm concerned. Because why would I? Okay, so as I oh. said, everything turns out to be a blessing. James, did you want me to pull a card? Yeah. Do, oh, for, that's for the new year? Mm-hmm. Okay, so since we don't have callers, I'll, I'll pull a card. Uh-oh. There you go. You guys are <laughs> uh, it's the lover's card. One of the things that that's talking about is if we recognize that we can have everything that we love in our life, that you don't have to buy happiness with misery, which is what we think we do. We buy one minute of happiness with 20 years of misery then you start recognizing that everything that comes in your life is really something you love to do. And this is the year where you give yourself permission to do what you love to do, and every day. So thanks. And we're going to be at Ruby Tuesdays shortly, by the way, which is in Fairfax Circle, Mm -hmm. and our audience is indeed invited to come join us. We sit around and talk, and um, whatever else happens to happen there. Oh, I would like to announce that we're doing... Consciously creating your new year on this coming Sunday, the, thir- the second, I believe, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a really wonderful class to get in touch with your beliefs and everything like that. And I'm doing a four-week tarot class coming up, where mm-hmm. it's really in in it's a lot of fun, in depth, uh, lots of different ways that you can look at yourself using the language of the tarot. It's not this old superstitious stuff where the cards create your reality. It's how you can create your reality using them. And then and you do, you're uh, doing an Ascension Merkaba, and that's later, a very good class. at the end of the month, I'm doing Healing from the Inside Out again, yeah. which is a And you regularly way. do EFT for people and yeah. tarot. EFT for self-confidence. I take people back into past lives. Yeah, and so it's all on do, the web, too. Yeah, uh, all palmistry, all the rest of this stuff. So if any of this stuff, um, please get in touch. Send us an yes. email. and we'll be out in some local stores and other places, which I'll communicate when the time comes. comes But check out telepathictv.com. I've created two decks of divination cards that you can play every day, and you can get a message from the spirit animal cards or the inner wisdom cards. And there's even a psychic development game online, and you can download meditations and various other things. So it's a fun place to be. I've spent a lot of time adding things. Interesting concept. Interesting. Okay. So, All right, so for answer. 2011, it's a year of thawing. This is just in general for everybody. Um, the, the ice comes when we don't know how to have emotional boundaries, and the only way it does, either it washes up against somebody else or it freezes, and this is the year to get your creative rainbow passions and letting out old tears and old pain to melt the ice that we have so that we can be open to each other. Okay, one that minute. That makes sense. And uh, also the waveform generators, which are a device that will amplify a thought. Of course, you will have to have a thought <laughs> in order to amplify it. And uh, don't worry, it won't bounce and back. And don't think of you. marshmallow, Stay Puff Marshmallow Man when you're yeah, around that. Yeah, so thing. it's actually a very scientific device. There's information about them on the web. And we've already said about the books and whatever it is you might yes. like to do to... Uh, Create a more conscious you. What are you going Thank to you. do to make a more conscious you? And you could, that could be as simply as I decide to be a more conscious me. Okay. But there is the requirement that there is the amplification of your Excellent. being. 
and look and for us on iTunes. We yeah. have free downloads on iTunes. So mm -hmm. it was our joy and honor to take you to the door tonight. And here comes the credit roll. And your choice to walk through it is the other side of that, even though that never happens. <laughs>